Welcome everybody, it's Belinda here, and uh, me and Cameron are here with you today, and we're just ready to get into this, and before we get started, um, I would like us just to have prayers, I'm like, let's take you, not if you're driving down the road, but if you're where you can, to bow your head and to close your eyes, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for how wonderful and how great you are, I thank you, dear Lord, that you laid this on Cameron's heart. And dear Lord, I just thank you for each person that is joining in today. Dear Lord, I pray that you would just help us to be vessels and to speak the words that you would give us to speak. Help us to answer questions today. Help us, dear Lord, in that everything that we would say and do would bring you glory and that might bring someone peace. Dear Lord, we just thank you for how great you are. Just be with us. Help us through this today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Cameron, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Yep. So, yeah, we're almost there. One week down. Almost there. Um, I don't know about your guys' state or anything, but our state is apparently opening up most everything on Monday. So. I just still, we are, but, you know, it's all like in phases. And, which, I think I've probably told this before, but I live on the border. I live like Tennessee and Alabama. So my, even though my address is Tennessee, my water comes from Alabama. I go to church in Alabama. One of my kids goes to school in Alabama. So I really, I, I have to go by, when I'm looking at this, I have to look at two different states because I'm in them kind of equally. And the way state of Alabama is, which affects me the most because that's where my church is, um, it's kind of crazy. But in like phase one of this, uh, where the casinos and the beaches and stuff can open, Dollar General can open. It can have 108 in our local Dollar General. But yet my church can't open to phase three, and we don't even have 100 people that go to my church. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, peculiar. It's kind of frustrating. My pastor was, is kind of frustrated because that's hard to understand why Dollar General can have 108 or a casino can open, but yet the church can't. Yeah. So, you know, but you just have to pray and know that God's in control of this. Just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. Absolutely. And it's coming up pretty quick, you know. It'll be it'll be it'll be okay before we know it. But right now yeah. let's get into some good news, shall we? So before I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little uh, a plug I think is what the hipsters call it nowadays. You know, a lot of people don't know or they do know. Sexy time is coming back tomorrow, which is Friday, which would be today when you're listening to it. Um, but Odd's gonna be the first guest. Belinda and him had a great little run in during the SOG game. Um, you know, Belinda, I'm trying to back, no, I'm, I'm just kidding, Belinda, um, but, but, yeah, Odd's gonna be on the show, and it's, I, I think it's 8, 8, uh, what is it, 8 Eastern, which is 7 Central, and it's gonna be awesome, you know, season 2, um, is gonna be a, a, it's going to be a different pace, because every other week, there's a guest, and then the off week that there isn't a guest, I'm going to be by myself doing my own thing, and I think that's going to be very, uh, very interesting, but I think it's going to be better than what season one was, so stay tuned for that. Anything you would like to plug, Belinda? I don't think so. Um, you know, I guess I will say this. If you have kids um, that are 13 or under, we 
career fixing to start a kids at work. Um, it's going to be a little different. That's still in the works. It's going to start around May 25th. Um, so if you're not a member of the group pay messenger survivor, join that. Keep an eye out. We would love for your kids to play. It should be a really good fun time for them. That's awesome. So uh, last week we talked about the book of James, which is really great. I really enjoyed it, and we were going to finish it up today. But we're going to finish it up tomorrow. We're going to take a little break. And we're going to address, many of you guys have sent questions in, and we're going to discuss some of them. Not all of them are going to make it because we have a lot. But we're going to do our best to try to do, you know, each one at some point. But there's only, you know, 30 minutes we got here. So, question number one, Belinda, are you ready? I'm ready. What is the purpose of having a church? Um, you know, the Bible tells us that we are supposed to um, gather together in fellowship and with believers. Um, there is even a scripture that says, where two or three are gathered, they'll all be also. Um, to me, you know, there's church is two different things. There's the church, which is the building that you go to, and then there's the church, which is the body of believers or the people. Um but to me personally, it is important that I go to church, that I fellowship with one another, because those people are like my family. When you're like-minded and you believe together and you support one another, um, and that's a, a big thing like doing right now because we don't have that. We can't go. We are still believers. We still are the church body, but we can't go to one place and gather together. And, and that makes it hard. Um, I really miss the kids in my ministry. I miss my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, you become close to these people because they believe the same way you do. If you have a sickness or financial problem, it's somebody that you can go to. And, and you know that they'll be praying and believing with you. Um, it's, to me, a church is way more than even than a family. Um because it is that brothers and sisters in Christ. Yep. And Anything I have, Cameron? Yeah, I got a couple things. If you currently in my um, ministry uh, schooling that I'm doing right now, they're having us really dissect the book of Acts. For anybody that doesn't know what the book of Acts is, it is when Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit came down on the people, and from there, they started what they would call the missionary field. The mission field. Missionaries is what a lot of us would know it as. Where they sent people out. They, you know, got unbelievers. They can, you know, they told them the gospel, the good news and stuff. And then from there, this is where it got, this is where it gets interesting. Because they started a local church with the people. And the purpose behind it is the church itself, like we said, isn't a building but it's a group of people but at the same time the church as a building its purpose is to unify in Christ okay but you can do that outside of the building and as a church you're supposed to take up you know in biblical times here in the book of acts it shows that you know when missionaries come they also go they don't stay local they're missionaries they move but when they do that the interesting thing about that is is 
when they move, what happens to the people that they just stirred up and they got their soul on fire kind of thing, you know? They got them excited to be a Christian, you know? What what do they do when they move? They start a local church up. They anoint elders in there to make sure that they're discipled, that they're raising up in their faith. Like for me, let's put Cameron McCarty as an example here, okay? Before my church that I attend did this movement where they started really dissecting the book of Acts, it would be you go on Sundays, you might go to a small group, and it was just a watered-down sermon on small groups. Now they see the biblical and the book of Acts, what the biblical church is supposed to look like, and probably how our church is supposed to look like according to biblical times. And what's interesting is they really like, in the small groups, which meet Monday through Saturday, and you pick a day, it's really interesting because they really show and they disciple you, and they really grow your maturity in faith, um, in Christ, I mean, sorry. And that really helps in order to defend your faith, if people kind of back you in a corner and ask you questions. A year ago, before they did all this stuff, you would ask me about Christ, and I'd be ashamed of it. You know, I wouldn't know what to say. I didn't really follow anything. But now, since I got that discipled uh, program and people have talked, um, you know, this brings me a good example where, you know, now I'm trying to get my, you know, knowledge and stuff and really becoming a pastor and stuff. And during my schooling, they have this thing called a SEMA map. And they, call, and they interviewed me a couple months ago while I got my results today. And some of the stuff is to kind of like line you up, like my personality wise, and how um, I'd benefit if I was in a church and stuff like that as a role. And, you know, there's certain things some people have the gift to do. Belinda has the gift of children, being good to children. Um, I don't have patience with children, so that wouldn't be my strong suit if I was placed in that environment. Um, but what what's really interesting here is in biblical times, you know, the book of Acts, when it says the church, it's not a building, it's a unity of people that are believers in Christ. And the ability of church, the one thing about it is people go on Sundays to church, right? Absolutely. It's a unity of Christ. We're supposed to be the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ. And in order to do that, you know, you can't just have the pinky finger cut off from the whole body because it's going to die. You know, then you only have four fingers on one hand, you know. It's not use. It's not useful, and that's kind of how I look at it in a way. You know, of you gotta the churches to mature your faith to really disciple you, and at some point have the ability to go and serve in that church in some way. If it's missions work, if it's stepping up and doing something that maybe uh, you have the gift to do, um, and in the let's see here in Acts forty two. Uh, I'm sorry, Acts 2.42, let me flip to it. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Unity, teaching people, breaking of bread, praying, fellowship. That's what the church is meant to be. If you look in Ephesians 4.14, you know, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful schemes. 
you know, and it, it's interesting, and you see it in the book at Romans, First uh, Thessalonians, First John. It, you know, the purpose of church. It's interesting because it's to disciple and bring people up. What do you think, Belinda? Well, I found the one scripture I was looking for in Hebrews ten twenty four and twenty five. It says, "And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works." not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching so when you're gathering and when you're you're all coming together as one that helps you to be stronger you know a, ch- a chain lamp fence um the more chains you've got the stronger that fence is the same the same thing you know if you're independently trying to do something by yourself, you're not near going to be as strong as if you have people backing you, supporting you, loving you, lifting you up in prayer. And I think that's the thing. And it's not about the church building because, you know, now there's a move that even before this quarantine, um, you know, of home churching, uh, I think we've moved away. When I was a young girl, uh, denominations were huge. You were either Baptist, Pentecostal, Church of Christ, Catholic. You know, now it is, I think, denominational, non-denominational are more popular uh, because people are moving away from um, that kind of thing, the, those kind of movements, and more strictly to just what God says about it. Did, did that make sense? I hope it made sense. Made sense to me. Okay. Good deal. So, here comes question number two. Are you ready for this one? Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. How can I know for sure that God is actually real? One of the examples that I give about faith is I take a ping pong ball and I take a blow dryer. And I ask you to show me the air. Well, you can't see it. You cannot see the air. But when I turn on that blow dryer, that pong ball starts going up the air, and you can see the effects of what the air from that blow dryer is doing. You can see the works, the movement of the air, even though you can't see it. And that's really how faith is. We can't see God, um, but we can look all around us and see the wonderful things that he does that he's in control of. Um, back in, oh, I'm losing my years, but probably around 2000, my husband, Wes, um, was having some issues when he would go to the bathroom. He was bleeding. And after a time, he decided to go to the doctor. And they did two different tests, and they found polyps on his colon. Um, they had called us in and pretty much told us that they felt he had colon cancer. At this time, I was going to church. We had two small young children. Um, Wes was going to church with me some, but he was really not a believer. Um, He was really, he had been raised very differently than what I am. I'm Pentecostal, and that was not, he did not believe in divine healing. Uh, he didn't necessarily believe on the laying of hands. Um, but while we were at church, he was going in the next day 
to have another colonoscopy and well they were going to have a they were going to renew these policies what they were going to do so we went to church that morning and, and our pastor knew this i had told him and he came to west and not to embarrass him and to make him come to the front but he brought oil and he said can i anoint you and pray for you before you have surgery and we'll do it right where you are so you don't have to walk out in front of people Wes said, sure, that's fine. Kind of a little bit reluctant, but he allowed him to do that, and different ones prayed for him. And the next day, we get to the hospital, and they give him the medicine, make him loopy, take him back. And when they come back, when he's in recovery, they could not find the polyps. They were gone. They were completely gone, and they had showed up in two different times they had took pictures. He said, there's no explanation. They were clearly there. They are gone. It is a miracle. There is no, he said, you know, there's no way that I can can say that God didn't heal this guy. Yep. That's how you know God exists. There's just times in life that there's no way that you can explain it away. That it's just God. We can't see him, but we sure can see the things he does. And that that's just an example of one of the things he's done in our lives. Yep. So I'm going to ask a series of questions. of Belinda, I'm just going to ask them to you. And just okay. uh, um, the, what it is, is it's just a way how I answer a question is by asking another question to them for them to think about it. So just put yourself in someone's shoes that might not know the good news of the gospel and you're going to play that role. And um, so you present the question to me, Cameron, how do you know God's real? And this is what I would simply ask. Okay, how did, I'm going to point out a building over there. How did that get built? So, yeah. Okay, go ahead. I lost you there for a minute. Oh, okay. Uh, I point out a, um, a building, and I'm like, Belinda, how did that get built? Who built that? I would assume men of some sort. Okay. So, somebody built that. Now, you, you look at your phone. Right, cause you can see the building. Right. You look at your phone. Who built who built this? See, when you look at your phone or you look at a building, even the building you're in, or even the car you're driving in, or if you're walking the tennis shoes you're walking in, how do you know somebody actually made that? Did you see somebody building your house? No, but you know somebody did. It didn't just appear out of nowhere. You look at your car, you know somebody did that too. You know it just didn't appear out of nowhere. And you see, when you look at your phone, you know it just didn't appear out of nowhere. Somebody made it. And that's something that you got to really think about is when you look at science and you look at the Bible, they can, if you look at the science argument, it's on like flaky truth, flaky evidence, where the Bible has never been proven wrong. And when you look at Israel, I've been to Israel once, and you see, okay, well, this happened in this book of the Bible, okay. And you really piece stuff together, 
you really know that it didn't just appear. Somebody made it. God made it. There's biblical, there, there's this evidence they found a couple of years ago of blood that was on a garment and they dug it up and it was actually in the same uh, area that they believe um, the where Jesus was um, put hanging on a cross. And they traced it back and they looked at it and they were looking at the fabric. It matches the period of time Jesus would have actually got rose up. And there's actually slash marks in it where he would have got um, whipped. Um, and there's so many evidence. And there's, you know, it's amazing at how when you look really deeply into it, there's nothing that really proves that God doesn't exist. Um, and when you look at the Bible, there's a lot of, um, what is it called, like prophecies of promises yeah. That are to come, but haven't came yet. Jesus, all through the New uh, New Test—I mean, uh, Old Testament—Jesus is literally in that, even though he hasn't been born yet. They prophesy Adam number two, Adam two point Jesus living a sinless life, hanged on a cross to save us all. There's so many things in here, and you know, even you know, the Bible is you know still living today. Because if you look, you know, we're in the midst. We're actually in the Bible. You know, we are living out Acts twenty nine as we speak. So, um, you know, that's kind of my area on it. You got anything else to add, Belinda? No, I think that, that explained it, I think, pretty well. Okay. Awesome. So, um, we're going to dive into question number three here, okay? Who wrote the Bible? Oh, my goodness. I know that one. I know that one. So, God um, ordained or appointed many different men to write the Bible. Um, here's one of the things that I believe, because the Bible says this, that God, we believe that God gave these a verbal inspiration. So even though men wrote it, God told these men what to write. Look, for example, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, so these are the Gospels. And these were people that followed Jesus, were around Jesus' day. And a lot of times they tell the same story, but they tell it from a different point of view. It would be the same... Let's talk about the works, because this is what how we kind of know each other. Me and Cameron were in the Jumanji gang together. But if you want us to each talk about it, I'm going to give it from Belinda's point of view. Cameron's going to give it from Cam's point of view. Because we are two separate human beings. They would both be 100%. We can be factual. But our point of view would be different. This is a lot like the Bible. God tells these men what to write, and then they write it from their point of view. So there you go. Um, like, you can go through and kind of see, like, if you're interested, a lot of times you can look it up. Uh, but, like, who wrote different different books of the Bible, different, different things. So it's different ones, like um, Psalms is written a lot by David. Um and, and that's what I said, like Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John wrote Bible, wrote part of the Bible. It's 
It's just men that God ordained and appointed to write it. But it's the verbal inspiration. The words came from God. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, I, I believe that 100%. You know, when the Holy Spirit um, ascended down from heaven after Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit... See, a lot of people like the Holy Spirit is wisdom from God. And I think of it as a godly perspective on things of this earth that we're living in. Because a lot of people, and I'm just going to use this as an example, and this might not be 100%, you know, um, I don't know how people are going to take this. Um, But, you know, I'm not here to disrespect anybody. I'm not here to be mean. But there's this new show on Netflix called Tiger King. A lot of people like it. A lot of people love it, and I'm not going to act like I've never seen it because I've watched the whole thing once. I'm gonna just going to be honest here. But when I got done watching it, all I could really think of is, first off, what a waste of my time. How did that really help the kingdom of God at all? But the big thing from the godly perspective is everybody thinks it's funny, and all I can think of is there's so many wrong things in this scenario this is why living in a sinful earth, this is why the there's a bunch of bad things happening on earth because there's not very many godly people out there. And that, you know, it's not going to be popular because a lot of people like Tiger King. But God, the Holy Spirit, gives us a godly perspective on things and it's not always popular either. But you know, the Holy Spirit gets that godly perspective through, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, even the Apostle Paul. Um, you got Daniel, you got Moses, you know, all these people were wise. Um, and we're going to jump into the last question here. Um, and this is one that I personally am glad somebody asked. I'm not going to lie. Um, so let me find it. Yeah, here it is. All right, are you ready, Belinda? Yes. Why do bad things happen to good people? And if you would like, I can start it. If you would like to think longer too on it. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Go ahead. So how I look at it is, you got to find the definition of bad things and good people. And God is the ultimate judge. So let's say you're standing in front of a courtroom. God's the judge. I am 21 years old. And let's say I act, uh, let's say I got mad yesterday and I killed somebody. I killed somebody, okay? Now just because I killed someone in five minutes, but but judge, I was good and I'm 21. I was good for 20 plus years. So, just because I was bad for five minutes doesn't mean that the 20 years, I mean, come on. Now, that sounds silly, right? Absolutely. You kill someone, you need to be thrown in jail. I agree with that. But when people think of God, they think, oh, now, really? Why would God judge me for that? Well, God is the ultimate judge. You do a bad deed, and through the judge's eyes, the judge isn't there to listen to your whole life story. 
He's there to convict you and see the evidence of why you're in his courtroom at the time. He doesn't care if you donated to charity. He doesn't care if you delivered, you know, stuff to the homeless shelters. All the judge wants to know in here is why you're in his courtroom and if you need to be guilty or not guilty. I'll use another example here, kind of branching off of that. When you really think of the judge, the ultimate judge, why do good things happen to bad people? I mean, uh, sorry, bad things happen to good people. Um, sometimes it feels the opposite sometimes, but um, you got to think, okay, what, what characterizes someone as a good person? According to the Bible, a good person is someone that never sins, which was Jesus. He was the only one. But Jesus also died on the cross, so all of us can be forgiven. God has a uh, a blood of Jesus covered covered lens. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like what is it? A, like thermo in energy, where we can't see energy from people or things, but you shine that thing, you can see something that our eye can't see, but the device can see. The blood of Jesus. We oh Lord, I am so sorry. I accidentally yelled at this guy. I feel terrible. I used a couple cuss words, but the blood of Jesus comes over God's eyes, and He sees it's okay. I just see the blood of Jesus. You are forgiven, and. And that's the thing, because nobody's going to be perfect other than Jesus was. And, you know, when you really look into it, and you really look, you know, nobody's a good person, okay? Like, let's just give an example here, okay? I cussed a lot back in the day. Well, back in the day of like a year ago, back in my day, right? Um, but how I am now is I don't cuss, but... When I do slip up, it's because I'm talking very, 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 very fast, and I'm angry too. And you know that's a sin. That's that that's against God's law. And what's interesting is when you look at God's law, no law is greater than the other. Cussing, through God's eyes, is the same. Um, is has the same punishment as. Uh, murdering somebody in God's eyes. But the blood of Jesus comes in, and the blood of Jesus, when God looks at you, he just sees the blood of Jesus all over you. He sees pure. He sees sinless life. And that's, you know, when you talk about good people, nobody is a good person in God's eyes. Because a good person won't cuss, won't do drugs, won't gossip, well, there's so many things we can go on. Everybody knows what a sin is, even if you're not a follower of God. Everybody knows. So imagine this: you you have a you ha you have a son or a daughter, and you say, "Hey, uh, don't put your f don't don't throw you know don't throw a piece of glass at your sister, okay?" And they do it. After you said it, and you're watching them, you're not going to be very happy. Now, that's the thing of you got to think everybody views God as like, you know, you got to give him the traits that it says in the Bible. And that is, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, nobody's really good in God's eyes. Everybody is a sinner. Everybody's bad. But what saves everybody from that punishment is the forgiveness of Jesus Christ's blood that was shed for us, and the blood of Jesus is all over us as believers. And often we see bad things happening to good people, but as Belinda and I know, when we have trials 
and tribulation and challenges, it matures our faith. You don't see me as a 21-year-old sucking on a pacifier because I've matured to eating steak, chicken, ham. I'm no longer just drinking milk. I've matured. I'm no longer watching Caillou or Wiggles or Blue's Clues. I'm starting to watch more mature stuff as in like sitcoms or um, even like there's some like the Passion of the Christ is very graphic and some there's a debate between people whether kids should watch it or kids should not. There is a time and place for everything, you know, and a lot of people like to rush things. And that's just kind of my point of view on why does bad things happen to good people? Because you got to find the definition of what God sees as good people and what God sees as bad things. Uh, my take, and I do agree with everything you said, Cam, but my take is a little bit different. Like I'm looking at the question from a different point of view. Um, I don't think that God necessarily brings hardship and pain on people. Like, I don't necessarily believe that God caused my house to burn or me to be in that car wreck 11 days later or my husband to get laid off from his job like 20 days later. But I do believe that in the midst of those things that God was with us every step of the way. And as my husband has said, you cannot have a testimony without a test. And you look at the story of Job and you look at the devil is the one that brought all these things against Job because he wanted Job to curse God and die. And God allowed these things to happen to Job and Job. And then at the end of it, Job was returned, I think, seven times what he had. And that's the thing. Sometimes God does allow um, the devil or what life to have it. But, but the thing is, he's always still with us. There is a promise in the scriptures that is so true. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And when we are going through the worship, God is still there. I will also tell you that one of my favorite scriptures is found in Exodus. And it's when the children of Israel had left Egypt. And here they were, and Pharaoh's army were coming up from behind them. And they get to this Red Sea. And how in the world were they going to cross it? And Moses struck his hand out, and the seas parted. They went up through it, and God, a promise right there was made. It said, be still. Be still, God told them. The Egyptians who you see today, you'll see no more. Let me fight this battle for you. And a lot of time, that's it. When bad things happen to us, it's not us. When we start talking, and we start fighting, and we start trying to work things out, a lot of times we make it a bigger mess. But if we will be still, and let God fight our battles, and let God handle it, it all works out. Absolutely. That was just a little, it was a little different spin on how you take, even though I agreed with yours as well, but that was just a little different spin, maybe maybe one of those hits, what they were asking. Yeah, yeah, and, um, you know, that's the, that's the great thing about having different perspectives and different ways to approach things and talk about things. I think that this was really good, and I think, because uh, I believe this is episode five, I believe. So how about this, Belinda? Uh, one, two, three, and four, we'll just do every fifth episode. We'll do a Q&A. We can plan that, so please keep sending us you know, questions and stuff. 
we still got a lot we haven't done. We've only done three or four today. But I really think that this is a great opportunity to get those questions in and for us to have a biblical perspective and have a biblical way of talking these things through. Is there anything, Belinda, you would like to say before we end this? I think I think that's all. I, and I love the questions. Keep sending them. Keep sending them. Yep, they're very good. All right, we're going to wrap this up here real quick. If, uh, like we said, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or anything in between, don't you know hesitate to ask Belinda and I. But until then, happy Friday and have a good weekend. <laughs>